You are listening to More to the Story, a weekly podcast featuring Pastor Drew Tarwater and Pastor Darren Enns of Forefront Church in Denver, Colorado. Each week, More to the Story podcast will follow the Forefront Church Sunday Sermon as Pastor Drew and Pastor Darren guide you through the Bible from Genesis through Revelation. Every podcast will feature in-depth analysis of the sermon and answer questions about the Bible. Now, here is more to the story. Welcome to the Forefront Church Podcast. This week with us today is Pastor Drew Tarwater. How you doing, sir? I am good, Rob. Always a pleasure. How you doing, man? I am doing well. Got through the weekend, yard work. So we're going to talk about the church. I don't want to talk about yard work, but if you're listening, you're going, hey, my favorite's Pastor Darren Enns. He is out with family this week, just sort of families in town, and he's celebrating graduation. So we gave him the week off of the podcast. So I'm sure he's got to be at staff meeting in a few minutes. Drew's not going to let him off of that one. But you know what? Hey, we'll give him the time off the podcast. Give him a little time off to celebrate celebrate that master's degree. You know, three years worth of work on his part, we'll give him an hour away. Yeah, no, that seems fair. So. It's like, hey, you know, have breakfast with your family, but don't be late for staff meeting. Yeah, so. exactly. Now he's taking it, taking a couple of days this week to get some some good uh, some good time in with his mom and his dad and and um, that kind of thing. So, congratulations to him. Super proud of that guy. Worked really hard and got his master's degree, and so now he uh, now he's got the rest of his life ahead of him. So we're going to see what God's going to do with it. No, absolutely no. It's it's always great hearing from him. So, and I'm Rob Lazzi. Always honored to be here with you, Drew. So. And we're talking about the church. And so I'm going to ask your question because like the two comparisons I've heard over the years for a church is should it be like a hospital or should it be like a garden? Yeah. Where like a hospital is that sterile environment to, you know, where, you know, someone's hurt, broken, something's damaged and it needs to be fixed. Or is it a garden? Like my, I still have dirt on my hands from working in the garden this weekend. I fixed my irrigation system. There was a leak in it. I'm not saying I'm now a piping expert. Don't test my uh, drip lines, though. But uh, if my water bill doubles, I'll know what happened. Um, <laughs> so, but. yeah, it's a good, you know, hospital garden. Another one that I like is, is it more like a CrossFit gym? Oh, right. Minus the monthly payment. Dad. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. Because you know you can you can go to Vasa for ten bucks a month or pay a hundred for CrossFit. But so, so let's say it's a community CrossFit center that's free. Okay. You know. Like, is it a place for us to come, experience community, work out, learn the techniques, right? Get to hang out with people that are cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's an, So what would be your definition of like what church should look like? As you were, you're talking about like an ax and stuff this week where, you know, the early church, what in your, what would you say the early church was like between like a hospital, a garden or a CrossFit gym out yeah, I think the early church, you know, it's probably maybe the better comparison is a community center, right? Okay. With with, with the with a um, spiritual leadership. So you think about the early church in Acts chapter two. You know, you see Peter and Pentecost preach this sermon. Basically, was just simple: Hey, Jesus is the Son of God, died on a cross, rose from the grave. And when you put your faith in him, the Holy Spirit comes down and lives in your life and resides in you and changes you. And, you know, the crowd sees this, they hear this, 
um, they get, it says that 3,000 of them put their faith in Jesus, and these are Jews, right? The church mm-hmm. hasn't expanded yet to the to Gentiles, so these are Jewish people. And the church is born, and then in Acts 2, we see this picture of what the church looks like, uh, the very last section, starting in verse 42. It says, They were devoted to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayers, and then awe came upon every soul, and many wonders were being done through the apostles." And so you see this picture of people coming together in community, they're learning, they're uh, having fellowship, they're eating together, they're praying together. So it feels a lot like uh, just a community gathering, right? These are people who gather together around Jesus, and there's leadership in the apostles who are teaching, um, and there's men, they're having dinner together, they're having fellowship together. And so I think when we think about the church, we can get back to our roots by looking at Acts chapter two. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the the church in in America today. You know, we um, we you know, I mean, I love the church, right? I love the local church. You know, as a pastor, I mean, I am passionate about the church. I don't, you know, there's there's a lot of people who um, you know have a lot of different opinions on church, but I think the church is beautiful because the church is the people of God. And so, you know, you get into the whole idea of, well, is the church the building or is the church the people? And it reminds me of that little joke we used to tell as a kid, right? You know, you put, you know, here's the church and here's the steeple, open it up the doors and oh, see yeah. all the people. Well, the church is actually the people. And we gather in a building or we gather in, uh, you know, a park. We gather in people's homes. So this early church, they would have, they would have been house churches, so this would have been a house, kind of a house church movement in, in Jerusalem. Um, you know, there's, there's 3,000 people now. And so, like, these people were literally doing life together, having dinner together, and listening to the apostles' teaching. And it was not just this one hour a week sort of gather and, and watch, a, watch a performance. It was truly doing community. That's why I like the CrossFit reference because people, I got a buddy who's super into CrossFit. They go every day, right? Like every day they're at CrossFit. They're, they're eating it. They're drinking it. They're loving it. And I just think there's and they a tell everybody about CrossFit and they tell everybody about CrossFit. Yeah, if you're in CrossFit, you're like, Hey man, where are you going to the gym these days? Right? Like what protein shake you drinking? Um, <laughs> what, what I do love about it is that they're passionate about it. It's something yeah. that like, it's so funny where like, I've done a lot of research on gyms because of like my marketing stuff. And, Gyms in general, it's like most of them don't. I mean, we'll, we'll exclude the ten dollar a month ones, but even that a little bit. It's like they're not selling the gym; they're selling community. Right. It's like when you have more people willing to spend, you know, whatever a month to go be there and be there multiple times a week and how many times a month, but then Sunday mornings they're going, eh, it's not worth it for me. Right. What's what's yeah. the, what's the? There's an issue there. There's go, they're ne- they're not feeling the community at the church that they feel it when they're trying to almost, you know, physically hurt themselves, trying to get a PR on how many pull-ups they can do. You're right. And I think in addition to that, because that's a great point, they're not just selling the gym, they're selling community. Um, Even the bigger gyms, even though you maybe not experience the community as much because there's, you know, 500 people in there, Mm -hmm. they're they're not selling the gym as much as they're selling the lifestyle. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's, hey, come be a part of our community because this is how you live your best life. Right. Yeah. The gym is saying you live your best life by being healthy, by exercising, by coming and working out. And really, you think about the church. What is the church? The early church was saying, hey, we're not selling you coming to this building. We're selling you 
the lifestyle. We're selling you the life-changing truth of Jesus and doing it in community with other people. And this is what's best for us. And I think we've got into... Uh, in, in the 21st century church, especially, you know, often we're selling the we're selling the building. Hey, come join me for church. It's a really cool building. You should see how cool our kids' space is. We've got a climb, you know, we've whatever. We've yeah. got a sweet jungle gym on the outside, and those <laughs> are cool things. But you're selling more the building than you are the actual life changing nature of following Jesus. Well, well, so I'll, I'll say this because maybe you can't because you're the pastor and they can get mad at me. But uh, it's like. I, from what I see, it seems like not always, but like a lot of it, the onus of community and if you want to say the church is put on the pastor instead of the people where they're like the pastor should be having the community outreach. The pastor should be having people over to their house or opening the church because of this community event. The pastor should be doing this. This is what we hire the pastor to do, but it looks like an ax. It was just people living life together doing it. Yeah, there was an element of leadership that the apostles definitely um, conveyed, but it was the the people doing life together. And I think that's the difference between a healthy and an unhealthy church. You know, you, you hear people talk about the churches they go to, and I think one mark of a healthy church is that you've got the people in the church, and with this, whether it's a little church or medium or big, you've got people who are who are committed to, to doing the life of the church. It's not just to show up and watch the, the, the guy speak for 30 minutes and the band play or to show up to the kids' event, but it literally is we're doing life together. And so I think a healthy church is one where, yeah, there, there's strong leadership, but um, you know, it, it's, it's what we see in, in uh, Ephesians chapter 4 where Paul talks about the role of the leaders of the church is to equip the people for the work of ministry. And so if I'm a church if I'm, a, if I'm a follower of Jesus and I'm part of a church, then really I'm just living out that call to be involved in community, to serve the community, to be a part of Sunday mornings, yes, but also the other things that are going on. And that doesn't mean I'm at church every day or, or, or you know, I'm going to church, you know, three times a week. But it does mean that I'm part of that community and I am um, part of, you know, seeing the, the life transformation happening in my life and in the life of my family. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So then what about like the idea of breaking bread as a group? Like I, sometimes it's referred to as like the Lord's Supper, but sometimes just having meals together, like especially when a group gets so large, it's not like you can have like 150, 200 people show up to your house for a barbecue. Even though <laughs> I think you would find a way to facilitate it. You'd be like, you're like, all right, everyone with A through K with the last name, you're showing up here. <laughs> I think we, I, I think it's worth trying. I think it definitely is worth trying, but yeah, the breaking of bread thing is interesting because we do talk about, you know, that Jesus gives us this command, this ordinance, right, to, to take communion together. And then you, then you go and you read Acts 2 and you see that these, you know, these, uh, these early Christians, you know, they were devoted to the teaching of the apostles and to fellowship, mm-hmm. to getting together and doing community life, and then to the breaking of bread and to prayers, and so this idea was in the early church, it's a little different today, but the idea was that they were going and actually having dinner together. And communion for them, the Lord's Supper, was having dinner. And it's, it's morphed over the years to, to more of what we're doing on Sunday mornings now with bread and juice and those kind of things um, as a picture. But in the early church, man, you imagine like you'd have church, you know, it's Sunday. We're having church at Rob's house. We're going to have dinner 
And so we go eat, we break bread together, and then we talk about the apostles' teaching, we have fellowship, we do life. And so you'll notice a lot of what, you know, if you're part of the forefront community, if you go to one of our, our life groups, that's what life group looks like, right? You come together, you have dinner, and a lot of our groups, you're just visiting, laughing, telling stories, having a great time. You're, you're talking through the sermon or a, or a lesson. And so a lot of ways, a life group is like a small church, right? It's, mm. it's, it's similar to what was being done in the early church. Um, and then Sunday mornings are your big gathering together to celebrate. And, uh, and dive deep into the word. So it's just, you know, it, it's, I, I think when we look at the church in Acts, what we see is a group of people who said, this is, this is what I was made for. I'm made for being part of the community of faith, and I'm going to do life with my, my brothers and sisters um, in Jesus, and I'm going to commit my time to it, um, and I'm going to gather around eating I'm going to gather around the apostles' teaching, right? So spending time in the Word. So what, we, what you look at the modern-day church and you see so many of the beautiful elements of what the early church did, it just, you know, sometimes it's just changed the methodology a little bit as we've moved into more of the modern um, environment. There's, there's cultural differences, like dinner to, in the early, you know, early 80s looks different than what it looks like now, you know, 2023 right you know dinner sometimes is running through the drive-through here where for them it was an event it was yeah and so so there's just cultural differences and so when they sat down there i mean it was a prepared meal it was and sometimes like in, a, in today's culture it's not as prepared if you you know yeah that's okay right yeah. i think it's it's fine but i do think you know the especially more more eastern cultures um you know the ancient near east you think about you know um food really community life revolved around food and so you know we joke today you know that hey church potlucks right a lot of us grew up hearing about church yep. potlucks and you know i grew up I grew up Baptist, and it was, hey, you know, man, if there's one thing Baptists know how to do, it's to throw a potluck. I mean, we are so good at, at throwing oh, potlucks. Yeah. But I think there's an element of community that, you know, we we can't lose when it comes to, to food because we gather around the table. And so there's a reason Jesus says, hey, take the Lord's Supper together. And I think there is this design that God gives us that we experience community at a whole other level when we eat together. Mm -hmm. Right, um, and so yeah, it, it does look a little different in 2023 than it did in you know 35 AD. But I think that the heart is still the same. Are you getting together with people um, that you're doing life with in your faith community and eating together? Because something mm -hmm. special happens. Like God knits our hearts together when we do that. Absolutely. And the early church had a lot of signs and miracles. Probably, it's always that's always the big contentious ones. Like, are those signs and miracles still happening? today that is an interesting one yeah verse 43 in acts 2 says that everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs are being performed through the apostles and i do you know we do hear so often about about miracles and in the way that god moves and um and, and god still is doing stuff here in in america no doubt but it's more you know talking with missionary buddies and, mm -hmm. and pastors who are in the uh, really hard to reach places, mm -hmm. they talk about the prevalence of miracles still. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the elements we see here is that when the gospel was advancing in the early church, 
the apostles were doing a lot more miracles because that was one way that the Holy Spirit used them to show the, the world, hey, this is real. And so, you know, that the, the church was so new. The apostles, you know, the next chapter, we're going to talk about it on Sunday. You know, James and, uh, or I'm sorry, John and Peter go out to the temple. At the gate, there's a guy that's lame. He asks for money, and they, don't, they say, we don't have any money, but we, we do have something better. And they heal him, right? And people are like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I just saw that. And so it, that drew people to the church. And so as the disciples were healing people, more people were going, oh my gosh, this Jesus thing is real. And so, you know, you go to, I, I had a pastor tell me about, they were in, I think it was the Sudan, and they were in a village in the Sudan, and they, they brought a medical team in and as a missions group, and they start like providing care for people. And then there comes um, some people who were, were blind and lame, and they had their sight and this guy, like, I think it was, um, he had been lame for a lot of years and, and had a back injury and he was able to stand up for the first time and, you know, all oh, these wow. things, right? And, you know, it's kind of like, we hear that, we go, oh my gosh, that's incredible. I've never seen anything like that. And the missionaries that were telling this story say, you know, this is actually pretty common in these very, very hard to reach places where there is no gospel. And it's, it's the Holy Spirit often using those miracles to show there's validity to the name of Jesus. And wow. so I think the, you know, one reason the church was growing so big early on was, is the Holy Spirit was getting people's attention through these miracles. Um, and they're happening today. There's so many miracles in America. I think we just are tuned out a little bit to it and it would do us well to pay more attention. No, that's a good point, where everything wants to be justified as something else than the power of God. Right. Yeah, so. exactly. One of, one of, obviously, one of my favorites is that the early church was also really into the scripture. Yes. Like the, and so, because at that point, I don't know exactly when, you probably have a better historicity of when the New Testament books were being written, but they were also looking back at the Old Testament to see what these guys were saying, the, the apostles, to go, does this match with what we've learned? Right. Well, you know, we think 1 Corinthians was written in about 45 AD. Um, some say that Matthew was written 45 to 50. Others say Matthew was written in 60 AD. So, you know, you've got, you've yeah. got debates between scholars. And, but what you do know is that prior to those letters circulating that became our New Testament, they had the Old Testament was it, right? So if they were going to pull out a scroll, they were going to pull out a scroll of the Old Testament and, and read through it. So what was so powerful about these, this early church is they were gathering around the apostles teaching. So the apostles, just imagine, so the apostles are getting together and they're telling the stories of Jesus. They're telling the, the Sermon on the Mount. They're telling the story about Jesus and his parables. It's not written down yet necessarily. Some people probably had some things written down. There's some speculation that, you know, that some of the guys were writing things down as Jesus taught them. So I'm sure some of that existed. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they'd get together, they'd hear the apostles talk about Jesus, and then they would probably pull out Isaiah and go read Isaiah 53 about the suffering servant. And so, yeah, they're gathered, they're hanging on every word about Jesus, even though they don't have it in their hands yet. And it was such an oral culture, they're telling stories and sharing mm -hmm. things, and it's just beautiful. So, yeah, the foundation of their gatherings were to hear about Jesus, right? Yep. And we we would do well for that to be the foundation of what we do on Sunday mornings at forefront and what we do during our life groups. And when we get together for Bible studies, because that's so central 
right? I mean, that is what draws us together. It's the, the life-changing truth of Jesus. And speaking of that, then also that what makes it more evangelistic, where it's, yes. it's not about, you know, all these other things. It's about Jesus. Right. All these other peripheral things. Like there's all these people that are like, well, the church hurt me. The church did this. It's like, it's not about the church. Sometimes people in the church make mistakes. It's about Jesus. It, 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 I love, I love you saying that, Rob, because I think sometimes, and it's, it's, it's easy to understand why, but sometimes we say, Hey, uh, and I know I used to do this right when I was in like high school and college and I'd invite people to go to church with me. I'd say, Hey, you should come to church with me on Sunday. The band is amazing. You should hear the electric guitar player. He shreds, mm-hmm. you know, and he did. He did shred. It was amazing. But it was often like, hey, come. Wait, wait were like, you the guitar player? No, nah, I was not. I was never as good as he was. You know, I, no, I was the guitar player, but I wasn't the one that shredded. <laughs> so it was just kind of like, hey, come with me to see this thing. It'd be like, hey, Rob, let's go see the new Indiana Jones movie, right? Okay. And, and it's it, it does kind of lead to this almost entertainment consumer mentality that we do see in America. Whereas in the early church, it was, Hey, come to our house on Sunday night and have dinner with us and listen to this apostle. Listen to James tell you about Jesus. It'll change your life. Right. And so I almost wonder like, what if our invites to church after we got to know somebody, of course, right? This isn't the first time you invite your coworker, but you know, the first time you invite your coworker, you probably still say, Hey, come the, the band rocks, but, or, or come cause you know, we, the coffee's really good or whatever, you know, to, as you're building a bridge, uh, you know, I'm joking a little bit, yeah, yeah. but you know, the request, you, but when you talk to your coworker, you say, Hey, I'd love to invite you to church so you can hear about Jesus because he truly will change your life. I mean, just think about how that, just that one small tweak changes the way we invite people and what you're inviting them to and for. Yeah, it's almost like a sales pitch. It's like what they say is like, let them know what you're telling, in, you know, inviting them to or let them know what you're going to show them and show them. Right. It's like, right. so if you're like, yeah. hey, we're going to tell you about Jesus, it's going to yeah. change your life. But then the, it's, you know, the church's responsibility, if you bring them in there, it's like, teach them about Jesus and teach show them how to change their life. Exactly. Yeah. It's like you go, how many times is like the person like, Hey, I came, went to visit that church for the first time and they were talking about giving. Yeah. Oh man. I know. <laughs> not that that's not important, but it's, oh, it's Murphy's law. Uh, it is um, Murphy's law. Oh, you know, it's like, Hey, I came, came and visited and he was talking about false prophets. It's like, okay, that's probably not the first topic <laughs> you want to hear, <laughs> so, but you know, it's in the word of God. So we're going to teach it. But yeah, it's it, no matter what we're teaching, it still needs to be centered around the life changing truth of Jesus. As, as we wrap this up, there's one more point I want to bring up about the early churches we talked about is like the early church had a, a joy about them that was different than other people. And you can kind of see it like if you ever run into someone and they're kind of more joyous than, say, a normal person, there's almost that like, I don't know about you, but I'm going like, I wonder if they know Christ. Right. Because like I also think what the in the joyous part of people in their hearts it's not about the daily circumstances. It's about right. understanding the bigger picture and who they serve. Right. And so when we talk about like a joyous church, like I don't know how many times you've gone out with friends, Christians or non-Christians, and like the it seems like the opening discussion is about what's going wrong. Oh, they're doing construction on this road. It's driving me nuts. Or yeah. th- this is happening. Or the air traffic over the house. They, sh- they redirected traffic. And it's all these complaints in life. We, we drift so quickly to the negative as people. 
and yeah. complaining about stuff. Yeah, I love that picture of the church. It's joyous. They're they they're sharing. They're doing life together. They're generous, and I think there is something special when we find community. We when we see that Jesus is changing our life, and we are realizing that it's not all about me, but it's about and sharing life together with others. It helps us open our hands up. We become more. We we just become more generous, right? With our time, with our energy, with our money, whatever it is. Um, there is a this sense of like I'm living life like I was created to live, and that takes me from seeking happiness in situations to experiencing joy in relationships, and that's what God created us to do. Never created us to be lone wolf Christians, and He never created us to be selfish with our time and our energy and our money. And so I think the more generous we get, the more open handed we live, and the more we do life with other people, the more joy we'll experience. And those are the people that you notice something is different about them. And it's almost it, it's almost like it's a magnet that draws you to them. Hey, what is different about this guy or this 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 lady? And it's truly their joy. And I think that's why joy is one of the the beautiful things the angels pronounced when Jesus was born. I have good news of great joy. Because truly joy is only found in Jesus. Yeah. No, absolutely. So as we wrap this up, Drew, any uh final thoughts? Like what are what do you, how do you want to put a bow on this to so as we wrap this up? Yeah, I, I think sometimes when we think about the church, you know, somebody listening here might might be thinking, you know, how do I get more engaged in church? Somebody might be listening, hey, you know, um, w- w- it's been a long time since I've been to church. What should I do and how do I do it? Um, and so I think the early church gives us a little picture. It, it, it really is... Uh, it's not super complicated. It's not easy to do because you do have to, you do have to give some stuff up, right? Everything good in life has a cost, and in this case, cost is going to be time and effort, and um, and energy. And, yeah, you know all that stuff. Yeah, Netflix, right? Because you know the idea of church is that you're spending time with other people. The idea of that you're spending time gathered around God's word. And that you're eating with others and you're fellowshipping. And so if you want to get more engaged in church, I think we can take a page out of Acts chapter 2 and just say, let's get devoted to spending time together, to, to spending time in God's word with other people and and expecting God to move in big ways in our lives. No, absolutely. If you have questions about this, life at ForefrontChurch.tv. If you want to get connected, learn more questions about resources or what's being talked about, shoot us a note. We'd love to hear from you. Or if you come to Forefront on a Sunday morning, they have the connection cards that you can drop them off in the back in the boxes there. Just ask whatever question you like. We'd love to hear from you life at ForefrontChurch.tv. Pastor Drew Tarwater, thank you so much today for the time. Thank you, Rob. Always a pleasure, my friend. Absolutely. So until next week. Oh, and we might have a holiday weekend off, but till next time. Yep, until next time. Thank you, sir. You have been listening to More to the Story, a weekly podcast featuring Pastor Drew Tarwater and Pastor Darren Enns of Forefront Church in Denver, Colorado. Each week, More to the Story podcast will follow the Forefront Church Sunday sermon as Pastor Drew and Pastor Darren guide you through the Bible from Genesis through Revelation. Every podcast will feature in-depth analysis of the sermon and answer questions about the Bible. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another edition of More to the Story.